Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 224, for the 1st of December, 2015. I'm Chester Wisniewski, coming to you from Chat Chat Studio 2 in Vancouver with my friend and colleague, John Shire. Welcome, John. Thanks, Chet. It's good to be here, and uh, and I'm on the other side of the mic this time. Yeah, I, I appreciate uh, you and Paul uh, helping me out so much throughout 2015. It was a pretty crazy travel year for me. Yeah, no problem. I think uh, we can probably pump out a couple more in December while you're away. Sounds good to me. Beginning with the concept of it being December now, Naked Security, we started a a series of Advent tips. Uh, I noticed uh, the first one went up uh, today by Anna, and she's uh, pointing out some good hygiene around passwords because apparently we can't say it frequently enough. And I I think, you know, we're going to have one every day throughout the month of December. So, you know, you can watch for for some tips about uh, avoiding ransomware and all kinds of other topics that'll be coming along. And we've really geared these to be shared with your friends and family. So uh, it's a really good opportunity when you're around the holiday time, when you see people uh, that that probably aren't as engaged in security as you may be uh, to help them out with a little advice. And these are pretty approachable tips, I think. Yeah, they're written in a very basic voice and they're easy to follow and they've got some good advice all around for for people that aren't in the industry. So for us, as you say, it might be pretty self-explanatory or business as usual. But uh, for those of us who have family that are not in the business and seeking to learn more, this is a great way to do that at this time of year. I think, you know, a lot of us are shopping for toys and gifts and things like this. And of course, being uh, more technically minded than the average people, we are attracted to gadgets and toys that are are electronic. And uh, with the power of the cloud, uh, comes great responsibility as VTech has learned. Uh, now, I, I don't have children, but it's my understanding that VTech, uh, you know, to me, they were a, a portable phone company. I remember having, uh, you know, 900 megahertz home phones from VTech 25 years ago. I didn't realize they made toys, but um, they had a big data breach related to toys. Uh, maybe you can give us a little summary. Yeah, so there was somebody that broke into the servers uh, of, of VTech and specifically into uh, one of their online markets, basically. And what they managed to get out of there was nearly 5 million pieces of data on on parents and nearly 200,000 pieces of data on children. And it's the kind of things in... VTech's own words, they were able to uh, grab things like email addresses, names, encrypted passwords. Now, it's worth mentioning here that we don't really know what that means as of yet when they say encrypted passwords. They also have uh, secret questions and answers for password retrieval. Again, we're not sure if this is for password resets or if these are sort of in the clear knowledge-based authentication type of uh pieces of data, IP addresses, mailing addresses, download history. So a lot of stuff in here pertaining to both parents and children. Yeah, and sadly, uh, it was learned that even more uh, details were stolen than what VTech has owned up to. The the hacker contacted some journalists and released um, photographs of parents and of children that used some of the VTech's devices, uh, sound recordings of children recording similar to, I guess, what you call a voice memo uh, that, that they could leave kind of messages for their parents. And, and unsurprisingly, all of this information is, of course, in the cloud. And this is where things start to unravel for me because um, it's this time of year where we keep, you know, uh, those of us especially that deal with the media. We want Cyber Monday tips. We want Black Friday tips. We want holiday safety tips and and these types of things. And and sadly, I don't think that parents really understand that all this information is being entrusted to this third party. And of course, there's no way to know what security measures, if any, are in place to protect that information, which in this case appears that they're not protected. Yeah. So in this case, it's really tough to tell exactly what security measures uh, were put in place. Uh, VTech is kind of staying mum right now for the time being while they conduct their quote-unquote 
quote-unquote investigation into the breach. I'm not saying that there isn't an investigation, but, you know, what does that entail? We don't know yet. They've been pretty quiet up to this point about exactly what they're doing. Uh, as you said, you know, it, it did get worse when we later found out after the story originally broke about, you know, pictures and audio was captured as well. And it's one of these things that you alluded to, right? Lots of stuff is communicating with the cloud now. And as a consumer, it can be really difficult to understand how a company is storing your data, what they're doing with it. Uh, You kind of have to take it on faith almost that they're going to do the right thing. And without VTech actually telling us what they did in order to secure the data. And they, they do have a privacy policy that they point people to in, in their press release. Uh, you know, as a consumer, again, it can be really tough to make those decisions, those informed decisions about, do I want my data to end up there or not? And if I buy this product, will that happen? Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's a real issue because I think for many people, it's about brand. They go, oh, this is a small brand or a brand I've never heard of or a brand that sounds foreign. So maybe that's not safe. And yet, if it's this big brand, of course, they'll have uh, the, the monetary resources in order to provide adequate security to protect me. And, and, and we get lulled into that by the great security track record of some of the big players. Like, we don't hear about credit cards being stolen from Amazon. We don't hear about credit cards being stolen from iTunes. We don't hear about mass data breaches at companies like Facebook. And so we kind of think, well, because they do it well, that must mean other brands we recognize will do it well. But we should learn from the Sonys and Targets of the world that that's not always the case. And there is no assumption that things are going to be protected. So understand that if you're putting them in the cloud, you have to assume that others have access to it. It may not be protected. And would I be uncomfortable with that information if it were stolen by uh, somebody with malicious intent? I'm going to recommend to parents that we stay on the creative and learning side and not depending on the cloud to provide us with services. And I, I personally am a big fan of toys that don't have wires like bricks that you build buildings and houses and things out of, uh, you know, try not to mention brand names here, plastic bricks that can fit in your hand. Um, but also, you know, think about the cool things that you can inspire children with this Christmas season uh, to be more creative, right? If they're older kids and you want to teach them the concepts of programming, you can pick up things like an Arduino for $20. And, and it's a really smart way to teach children basic engineering concepts uh, of technology and and let them understand how to build technology rather than consume it. And, and, and maybe that's a Raspberry Pi or maybe, you know, there's a million of these little things that don't require access to the cloud and 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 teach you to make instead of uh, consume. And I think that's a good direction to go. It truly is. And it's an approach that I'm starting to take with my kids, which is whenever, you know, something needs fixing in the house, I always try to include them just so that they can understand how stuff works, basically. Uh, and, and yeah, when it comes down to doing, you know, fun projects, things like Raspberry Pis, Arduinos, and those plastic bricks that you talk about all of those things can even be combined and you add your own wires at that point and and you can build in lessons about you know building both physical and and virtual objects like like code and and, and other types of interfaces into the mix as well so uh, it's really nice to see children take to those types of activities and they they really do approach it with the same sort of wonder and enthusiasm that they would a, a video game that's already prepackaged for them 
Uh, moving on to the IOIT, as I call it, the Internet of Insecure Things. Paul Ducklin wrote a story on Naked Security uh, about a report that was released showing that many of these devices are actually sharing security keys, and, and that includes uh, both uh, SSH keys uh, used for secure shell access to the, the you know remotely configure and uh, even hack on these devices, uh, but also TLS keys that are used for the HTTPS interfaces. Now, this isn't the first time this topic has come up. We've known in the past that many cheap routers and, and Wi-Fi uh, access points and things would end up having the same TLS keys because they generate the keys when they boot and there's no good source of random on those devices. So they randomly choose the same key every time they start. In this case, the, the research is showing that only 150 different TLS keys and 80 different SSH keys are on use on almost 5 million devices. Uh, when are we going to learn? Well, that's just it. I think when it comes to these types of devices, security is always an afterthought. I think that shipping product is, is more important to these companies. And as a company that builds products and delivers them to, to you know the public, we understand what those pressures can be like. And if you're not a security company, it's very easy to say, you know, in order for me to make the most money for myself, my investors, and, and to provide, you know, maybe this new product or service, I'm going to get it out there and maybe hope and pray that nothing happens if you're knowledgeable enough to know that you know there's an issue maybe you're willfully ignoring it but you know like you say when are we going to learn we, we've seen this time and time again and it's just not acceptable today to have a, sh a product ship with security as an afterthought or even a non-existent thought yeah, I mean, we have to start in the most important places first, which is why I'm a big fan of the uh, the group I Am the Cavalry, um, IamTheCavalry.org, if you want to go check into it. Uh, the idea there is that we focus on, say, medical devices, automobiles, these types of things first. I, I don't think it's to the exclusion of other things, but it's meant to be, wow, we have a crisis of embedding computing and things without thinking about the security properly. Let's start with the things that are most likely to kill people, and then we'll kind of work down our list after, you know, once we have all the medical devices in the world secured, which probably is going to sadly be never. But, you know, those that that's kind of the idea there. And, and uh, I was at a conference a few weeks ago, and uh, Josh Corman was there, who's one of the founders of I Am The Calvary. Him and I were having a chat about my ideas that I call uh, the security warranty. You know, the, the idea that if I buy something and it comes with a one-year warranty against, say, manufacturing defects, I consider the firmware and the software on those devices to be part of uh, a defect. If there's bugs in that software that make it insecure or unsafe to use it, the manufacturer should be providing me with the same type of warranty for the software that I get for the hardware. And uh, when I buy a new thing at the store, I'm, I'm, I know precisely that it's a 90-day warranty, it's a one-year warranty, it's a five-year warranty, so that to me, I'm supposed to be able to judge the fitfulness of that product for use for that period of time. If the software doesn't work, then it's not really good for me for a year or five years or 90 days. Uh, and, and I don't quite understand why we're not holding companies more accountable for the security. I completely agree. And it comes back to our earlier discussion with cloud, right? You've got this infrastructure out there that captures data. But again, we're left wondering, how is that data being treated? In the case of these embedded devices, you know, there are these black boxes where we, we can't peer inside them very often. Uh, we don't know what type of data they are gathering. You know, if you start thinking about these home automation devices, you know, what kind of information is it capturing? If it's one of these environmental type of, of embedded device, 
where it captures things like temperature and humidity and all sorts of other data points in your house, does it send all that back to the company? Is it encrypted? Is there a way of accessing it remotely? We just don't know unless we start doing all these tests. And that's where the consumer isn't equipped to do that. And that's where people like us are. And I think, you know, having more pressure being put on these companies that make these devices that are likely to kill or have the potential to kill uh, is a really good start. Yeah. And, and and sadly, in many jurisdictions, it's against the law to find out. I mean, it requires reverse engineering these products. And in countries like the United States, under the DMCA, uh, that's often illegal. Well, I spent the last two weeks traipsing around Australia, uh, chatting with some Chat Chat listeners. I actually ran into Chat Chat listeners at almost every event I went to. So I'm kind of a little shout out to folks. It was really great seeing you guys. Um, uh, I was in Coffs Harbor. I was in Sydney. I was in Melbourne. I was in Hobart. I kind of get, get around a bit when I was down there. And uh, as part of all of that, it meant I couldn't attend an event that I really wanted to go to in Ottawa, Canada. I sent you off to Ottawa. So what happened at Geek Week? Yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic week. And I alluded to the fact that I was there in, I believe it was uh, Chet Chat 222. So basically, a bunch of people from the private and public sectors, uh, law enforcement and government got together uh, to basically try and figure out how to solve cybersecurity problems in specifically because we're in Ottawa, specifically because we're working with Public Safety Canada in the Canadian cyberspace ecosystem. And, uh, you know, it was a great experience to really get to see the the back end of all of this machinery that we hear about in cybersecurity of people trying to prosecute the offenders right we uh, we're going to deal with our law and order segment in a second but um, you know these are the people that are able to collect data on malicious actors try to go out and find out who these people are and possibly lead to arrests and finally prosecutions. And, you know, as I mentioned in the article I wrote on Naked Security, most of the time we hear about all the bad things that government does around cybersecurity and privacy. Uh, I'm here to tell you guys, like, this is a, a very positive thing that at least the Canadian government is doing. I know that other governments are doing it as well in trying to clean up cyberspace so that the consumers that we've been talking about that are left to just trust the companies with the cloud, with the IoT, with all the other things, um, so that these consumers can have a safer and more secure and enjoyable online experience. And meeting these people and knowing how passionate they are about cybersecurity and how serious they are about cleaning up our little corner of the world was really an uplifting experience for me. Yeah, I think most of us are, are very cynical about our government's ability to help. Uh, we think about these criminals being overseas and we'll never arrest them. And, you know, why even bother and why report it? And and for, you know, for every uh, civil servant out there who is fighting the good fight, as it were, that as you discovered, uh, it's, it is very heartening to know that most of our public servants are actually working devilishly hard for our interests. And they really do care and they take it very personally. And, um, all you know, every time you see something bad on the news about government and spying, and privacy and all these types of things. Remember that that's one small little dark corner of something you may disagree with and, and that most of the folks um, are really good folks. And, and I've had similar experiences working with the, the police in the UK, the police in the United States, the police in Australia. And um, it, it is a good thing and they are looking out for us. So I'm really glad uh, you were able to attend and I'm, I'm, I'm a little jealous. I wish I'd had the opportunity myself. Yeah, it's definitely a great week and I'm glad I had the opportunity. And, and one of the key takeaways for me specifically of that week was, you know, they also need our help. 
And so, you know, whether it's a company like Sophos or a private citizen or anybody who has any kind of dabblings in cybersecurity, if you think you can help, they are more than willing to let you lend a hand and and participate in in cleaning up the online experience for everybody else. So if that's you, you know, consider this a call to arms, I guess. Yeah, a little more of the cavalry. And uh, last but not least, uh, a, a malware uh, testing and obfuscation service called refud.me was shut down in the UK uh, a couple weeks ago. So that's our, our law and order piece. Um, to explain maybe for people that aren't in our business, the criminals rely on avoiding things like antivirus, of course. So they like to test their file samples against antivirus products and see uh, how many of them might detect them so that they can continually evade and change their tactics. And so this service was sort of a, a private virus testing service where you could send your virus in and they would say, these 10 of 70 vendors uh, currently detect your sample as being malicious. And then they also provided uh, an obfuscation service, basically an, an encryption wrapper that you could wrap around your thing so that it, um, it looks different every time an antivirus scanner sees it. And that would uh, provide you some additional protection at uh, evasion. And um, it was shut down, which is great. Uh, you know, when we see the word FUD, usually we're, we see people making fun of the security industry, meaning fear, uncertainty, and doubt. In this case, they meant uh, that their service was, quote, fully undetectable, even though they insisted they weren't necessarily doing anything criminal. We'll see what the UK courts decide about their criminality, but the truth of the matter is um, advertising their service in underground black markets and calling it fully undetectable suggests that perhaps they did know what their customers were doing with it. Yeah, it's well, at least we know two people were not fully undetectable in this little venture. And those of you who might be into the anti-malware uh, research game, you know, or, or might be familiar with things like Google's virus total. Um, this is where you can submit a sample and see, you know, how many uh, engines, how many AV engines out there detect that particular sample. And it's a great resource if you're doing some malware research. You say you've got a sample of something you want to match it up with, you know, to see if, if this is new or if, if something already exists and you want to get some correlation done. And VirusTotal is very transparent about this. That, that's the point. And as you alluded to, you know, this particular service was sort of the opposite of that, where when you did submit a sample uh, of your malware, it wouldn't publish the results for everyone else to see. It was just a, a service just for you, so you could test your own malware against uh, antivirus engines. Well, and this is where Captain Cloud can really come to the rescue, in my opinion. I can see a superhero with a, with a cloud symbol on his chest. Because the criminals don't want us to have copies of their malware samples, and the criminals also don't want us to know which websites they've infected to host those samples or where their communication channels are. And by our, our, our product line starting to utilize the cloud instead of having the data being downloaded into the endpoint security product itself as the old-fashioned way, means that the criminals can only find out if we detect something by asking our cloud. And that's great, because that means they have to send us their malicious files before they use them against you. Uh, and I think there's some really clever things being done with cloud uh, security protection that can provide uh, a better layer of protection than we can provide locally, if only for those reasons of making it hard for the criminals to know whether we detect them or not. And I strongly encourage people to take advantage of these uh, security features that are built into endpoint security products like Sophos Antivirus. And I'm going to use that as a way to kind of wrap up and, and pimp uh, Sophos Home. Uh, I know we mentioned it in the podcast a couple weeks ago. I'll mention it again. Anybody that would like to take advantage of our awesome protection, including that cloud capability, should go to home.sophos.com. Give it a try. No strings attached. Totally free uh, for non-commercial use. 
use. So, you know, that it's a it's a nice um, stocking stuffer to give the friends and family over the holidays because it costs absolutely nothing and it delivers uh, excellent value for, for your investment. And on that note, I'm going to conclude Sofa Security Chat Chat 224. As always, for the latest security news, please visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. All of our podcasts are available via RSS. They're on the TuneIn app. They're in iTunes and uh, wherever else you may find quality podcasts. And of course, at soundcloud.com slash sofa security. And until next time, stay secure.